Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer. I'm one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. And I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. Today's episode is going to be dealing with the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Because it is found in all four of the gospel accounts, and each one gives a little bit different aspect of what transpired on that tremendously tragic and yet glorious day. We're going to read a couple of the accounts. Luke chapter 23 verses 34 through 46 and John chapter 19 verses 18 through 20. So we'll begin with Luke chapter 23 verses 34 through 46. But Jesus was saying, Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots dividing his garments among themselves. And the people stood by watching, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also ridiculed him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you were the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the, others res- but the other responded, rebuking him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sense of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me, in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the entire land until the ninth hour, because the sun stopped shining and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Having said this, he died. You know, I think the thing that first jumps out to me here is that Jesus uh, having endured all of this ill treatment, uh, loved the people and called for them to be forgiven. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Uh, of course, my mind immediately asks, did, uh, did the Father answer that prayer? Did, uh, were these people forgiven even as they, they drive these spikes into his hand? Uh, I think that if to look to the fulfillment of this request by Jesus, we would need to look into the future to find the preaching of the gospel by Peter and that those who received his word uh, were baptized and were forgiven just as Jesus had asked. But I don't believe there is forgiveness here even upon Jesus' request until these people repented of their sin and took steps in order to be forgiven. I'm going to go ahead and read John's account. John chapter 18, or excuse me, John chapter 19, verses, oh, we'll begin with verse 17 and continue down through verse 30. You want to read it, Ross? Yes, sure. That's John chapter 19, 
And verse uh, 17 and then through 30. Yes, sir. Bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him. Two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, But he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, uh, to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. As the crucifixion was taking place, the clothes of Jesus were taken away from him. And its Roman custom was that the clothes of the crucified individual were rewarded to the soldiers of the crucifixion party. We know that there were four soldiers involved in this one, according to John 19 and verse 23. Anyhow, stripped of his clothing the cross being having been placed on the ground, Jesus was thrown down upon it. His arms were stretched out, but slightly bent to allow flexibility and to prolong the agony. And nails were driven through the small indentation at the front of the wrists. Heavy, wrought iron nails were used. Then the cross beam was raised into place, and Jesus' feet were placed one on top of the other, with another wrought iron nail being driven through his arches into the wood of the upright. Jesus was crucified. It appears to me that it would have been about this time that Jesus uttered the incredible words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Bear in mind that ignorance mitigates but does not excuse. Above his head was nailed the superscription, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. 
and it was written in three languages. And since we are not told if this was customary or not, I'm inclined to believe that Pilate had it done to allow all who passed by to be able to read it and maybe to taunt the Jewish leaders a little bit as well. They had forced him to have an innocent man executed, even though if he had had the courage, he could have stopped it. The superscription did have the desired effect upon the Jewish leaders. They were furious and asked Pilate to change it to, he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate refused. The two criminals who were part of the procession to Calvary were also crucified at the same time. You know, it's interesting to see Pilate here, uh, what what a man of principle he was. I mean, he's not going to be pushed around right, by the Jews. Of course, they come to him, no, 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 don't, don't write that right. He said he was the king of the Jews. And I guess it's nice, eventually, even at this late hour, for him to finally have found his backbone to stand up to the Jews and say, what I have written, I have written. Of course, my comment would be just a little too little too late yes indeed yes I, I'm, I'm amazed again on the the care that Jesus has on, on the uh on the cross for other people and, and we read saw this in in both the accounts that we read in john 19 verse 27 he makes sure that his mother is going to be taken care of we've talked about in luke 23:34, for father forgive them for they not know what they are doing and then even the the robber that is on the cross the, the care that he has for them. I mean, for that one in particular, with the robber even saying and, and acknowledging that what he, the crime that they had committed was deserving of, of crucifixion. What they had done um, was was just for the crime. And, and Jesus' forgiveness in, in saying and care for him, and, you know, it could have been, no, you know, you're, you, you're right, you deserve to be up here. Um, not, not I don't. And so you're suffering justly for what you're doing. Um, but Jesus' forgiveness of him and the willingness to accept him, and truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. The comfort given to this, this robber that has had the, the change of heart on the cross and the, the um, repentance that he had. It's just, just amazing how many things Jesus, while he's on the cross, was caring for other people, knew what needed to be done. We read in John 19 and verse 28, that Jesus, knowing all things, had already been accomplished, in order that the scripture would be fulfilled, so that I am thirsty. So Jesus being on the cross, it wasn't that, as some unbelievers would teach, that he was in shock and some things were were happening, which is why he was able to um, be taken down from the cross and then go away out of the tomb, and people would try and use that theory. That is not true in, in any form is that he was aware of what was going on. He was suffering, and yet he was still caring for others. He was still doing God's will, fulfilling all that was said for him, and doing it all absolutely, perfectly, full of love for you and for me. You know, if they finished the crucifixion, the Roman soldiers divided the Lord's garment amongst themselves, divided it into four parts, apart for each of the soldiers. As for his coat or his robe, the outer garment, they cast lots because it was without seam. And to divide it would have kind of ruined it. But the whole thing was in fulfillment of Psalm 22 and verse 18. Luke's account tells us that the people stood beholding. 
You ever notice that scenes of tragedy and death, people will stand and stare? They did then, they still do now. Some that passed by railed on the Lord with insults. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. He saved others himself he cannot save. The rulers of the chief priest and the chief priest joined in what they obviously considered to be an hour of triumph. I want to read a passage from R.C. Foster's great work, Gospel Studies, from Volume 4, and what he has to say. He says their utterly based character is shown by their conduct. When a person dies, usually people refrain from criticism and leave judgment in God's hands, even when the person was infamous. Unable to bring any real charges against Jesus, they submitted venom and vehemence. The title draws their fire. The claim that he was the Son of God becomes the butt of their ridicule. Little do they understand that they are about to set the stage for the culminating proof of his deity. Their language reminds us of the words of the devil in the wilderness, If thou art the Son of God. Their garbled version of his prediction of the destruction of the temple furnishes them with further sneers. Notice how their taunts become tributes in spite of themselves. He saved others, so you see they admit it. Himself he cannot save. To prove the reason is to uncover the deity of Jesus and his infinite love for lost men. Their offer to believe if Jesus will come down from the cross reminds one again of the devil's suggestion in the wilderness for a joint rule of the world if Jesus would abandon his plans to save lost men by dying on a cross and merely bow the knee to Satan. You know, and they, uh, even the soldier, or even the uh, criminals who were being crucified next to him mocked him in the same way, saying, you saved others, uh, save yourself. Or more specifically, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. Which I think is an interesting claim for uh, people who deserve to die. Uh, my question would be, well, why should he? Why should he save you? You're calling for salvation uh, when you are suffering what you deserve for your crimes. He's the one up here who doesn't deserve it. And one of the criminals uh, seems to come to himself and realize that he has uh, he was a just man and that they were receiving what was due. Um, with regard to the parting of the, the, the clothing, I, like Greg mentioned, Psalm 22, that actually prophesied two different kinds of actions that would be taken regarding his clothing. So it says in verse 18 of 22, they will divide my garments among them and they're going to cast lots for my clothing. So for some of the clothing, they're going to divide it. Some of them, they're going to agree to cast lots, which I think is amazing that prophecy was so specific that it even came down to the decision of what I'm going to wear this, this day. Because if Jesus had worn a different kind of garment, then they would have probably just divided it all amongst themselves, leaving part of it uh, not, uh, not fulfilled. I uh, wanted to also point out that uh, the taunt, he saved others, let him save himself, could probably be rightly corrected and, and changed to, uh, I am 
saving others. Do you notice that? Let him save himself, or he saved others. No, I am saving others, and it's because I am saving others that I'm not going to come down off this cross. Now, that's an excellent point. Of he, you know, he'd saved people before, but th- this was the event of great, great saving. Excellent point. I know, um, and Greg touched on this too, of the the taunt that that follows um, what Ross was just talking about. That um, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, that, that get him to come down to save himself. I mean, even the, the challenge on on who you are, prove it. And if you get off the cross, then we'll, okay, we'll believe. You're the Christ, and and that wouldn't have been the case. They wouldn't have believed anyway. Um, but I, just even the uh, throughout all these these mockings, and mentioned this in a in a prior episode of how these. I mean, there are truths to this. Of he was destroying the temple and rebuilding it in in three days. That temple being his body and his resurrection. That was being the the rebuilt of it. In in these things of. Of, of all of it and him staying there because just as Ross pointed out he was saving others was doing this to save you and me and how important it is for us to do our part and to live as he has commanded us to and be ready for that day when he comes comes back for us it's already been made clear that Jesus was crucified with two criminals and it's already been made clear that in the beginning, both of the criminals were also railing on Jesus. But one of them repented. And thus we have the memorable account of the thief on the cross. I don't know, perhaps the dignified conduct of Jesus on the cross in the face of all of the sneers and the the abuse that was being hurled at him must have had a tremendous impression on the one thief. This thief repented. As a matter of fact, his was the only voice to be raised in protest against the death of Jesus. His statement in Luke 23, verse 42, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, certainly indicates belief in Jesus and a belief, however primitive it might have been, that Jesus would continue on. He didn't ask to be removed from the cross. He asked to be remembered when Jesus came into his kingdom. Somebody, I don't remember who it was, once wrote, Some saw Jesus raise the dead and did not believe. The robber sees Jesus put to death and yet believes. I think that makes an interesting point. The Lord's response was, Truly I say unto you, Today you will be with me in paradise. You know, I want to pause a minute. It's such a shame that the thief has become the favorite of those who attempt to circumvent the command to be baptized for the remission of sins. Baptism for the remission of sins is into the death of Jesus, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. While on earth, Jesus could forgive sins as he saw fit, Matthew chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. Having not yet died, Jesus personally forgave this man his sins. After his death and resurrection and his ascension into heaven, all sins must be forgiven according to the terms of his will, the New Testament. Both the thief and Jesus lived and died under the old law, the law of Moses. 
And I'd add to that that Scripture also teaches in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that uh, a part of the necessary thing that we need to believe in order to be saved is that Christ uh, was raised from the dead. We need to believe that if we're going to be saved. You don't want to know why the criminal, this thief, is not a good salvation uh, story, uh, conversion story to use for what must I do to be saved is this thief does not believe that, there's no evidence that he believes that God is going to raise Jesus from the dead. I mean, that's, he's not a good parallel to me because he doesn't even believe what Paul said is necessary. You have to believe that Christ was raised from the dead. So we don't want to use that. Let's look to, uh, let's look to Acts, um, you know, to, to learn what do, just like the people say, what must I do to be saved? Peter tells us, we'll look at that in a few weeks. But uh, I wanted to also point out something that Matthew's account tells us is said um, in Matthew 27, verse 46. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out uh, with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's been so much that we've already noted from Psalm 22. Uh, Psalm 22, 7 is uh, that they would, those who see me ridicule me, they shoot out the lip, they shake their head saying, he trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him. Well, that's what we've been seeing. We've seen that... Um, uh, that they would divide the clothing and cast lots for the clothing. Uh, there's so much in Psalm 22. And here's another, uh, another point from Psalm 22. David uh, saying in Psalm 22, 1, the very same thing. Why have you forsaken me? I think it's really important to note that this psalm is a psalm of desperation where David certainly feels uh, as though God has forsaken him. But the scriptural conclusion is that in verse 21, you have answered me. And verse 24, he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. So far from the, uh, the common refrain that the father turned from his son, what, what Psalm 22 says, that he has not hidden his face from him, and it was true just as Jesus had promised. There would come a time when all of you will forsake me, but I am not alone. My Father is with me, for I always do those things that, he, uh, that are pleasing to him. And Jesus was no less pleasing to the Father while hanging on the cross than he was during any point of his earthly ministry. Let's make the point that as Jesus looks down from the cross, he sees his mother and John, his disciple, standing there. To Mary, he said, Woman, behold thy son. And to John, he said, Behold thy mother. If it is true, and I believe that it is, and Salome was Mary's sister, then Mary would have been John's aunt. So this was simply a matter of entrusting a kinsman with their care. It would seem to imply as well that Joseph was already dead. You know, the last we read of him was at the time of the visit to the temple when Jesus was 12 years old. The last we read of Jesus' brothers and sisters was that they were unbelievers. We know that as far as James, his brother, was concerned, that would change. 
but at the time of Jesus' death, there was no indication of belief on the part of his family members. Perhaps this contributed to Jesus charging John with the care of Mary. Anyhow, at about noon, darkness covered the whole land. I do not know if this means simply the land of Palestine or if it was the entire earth. The language permits both. It descended by miracle. All attempts to explain it in a purely natural way fall to the side. Why the darkness descended is a matter of speculation. One view that seems reasonable to me is that God was veiling the dying moments of the sun from a cruel and taunting multitude. That, that is certainly possible. Matthew and Mark tells us that at about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, which Ross has just talked about. And some who heard the Lord thought that he was calling for Elijah. Having misunderstood his words, they believed that Elijah had to come based on Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, and they believed that he had not yet come. So if Jesus was the Christ, Elijah had better get there. It was now or never. I believe that the Father heard Jesus' prayer and answered it. In just a short time, Jesus would die with calmness and serenity, committing his soul to his Father. I'm reminded of the words of the 22nd Psalm that Ross had referenced to, where Jesus said, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. I said, Jesus said, that refers to Jesus. With death but moments away, Jesus cried, I thirst. Someone placed a sponge upon a reed and held it to the lips of Jesus. After having received the drink, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, It is finished. And Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, Jesus died, voluntarily yielding up his spirit. um, When Jesus was a baby, he was brought to Simeon, and Simeon said to Mary that a sword would pierce your soul. And what we're seeing here, Jesus looking, or Mary looking at Jesus on the cross, we're seeing that day come for Mary. And I just, from a from an apologetics standpoint, I just want to point out that if Mary had known that the story of the virgin birth was a lie, that this hadn't really happened, that she's just trying to make up something uh, fanciful about her son, and that this was all just one big lie, then this would have been the moment when she had gone to Pilate and and confessed. To save her son, she would have told the truth, if this was a lie. But the fact that she looks on and there's nothing she can do about it, because she knows the truth, uh, I think is a great evidence for the truth of the story. That's going to have to do it for today's program. We appreciate each and every one of you who has been listening. Quite an, an a difficult thing to talk about, the death of our Lord Jesus, and yet it is also that through which we receive hope for eternal salvation. We encourage you to continue to listen, and thank you for the time that you have spent with us thus far. Invite your friends to listen, and go to our website, www.nkcofc.com. Until next time, thanks again for listening.